the biggest stories from the pages of the London Free Press and LFPress.com. This is the London Free Press Podcast with your host, Rachel Gilbert. Welcome to the London Free Press Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. Hospital wait times are growing longer and longer. And so for the second time this month, London Health Sciences Center is urging you to avoid going to the emergency room unless you're really in an emergency. Wait times can be 20 hours and longer lately in the regular adult emergency room. But in addition to that, Children's Hospital is anticipating a very busy fall and winter due to the first cold and flu season in a few years without the additional public health measures in place like masking. So today I'm talking with London Free Press health reporter Jennifer Beeman about what's going on in our local hospitals and what we can expect for the next little while. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you on again. I know uh, fall, fall and winter is probably a busy time for you as a health reporter. And you've had a few of these major stories come out um, just this month about wait times. So just tell us, what have the warnings been so far this month from the hospital? Well, I think the warning is things are a little rough right now. We had a kind of a, a, a difficult summer with, you know, staff vacations and infections and things and shortages. And those were kind of getting, kind of reaching a boiling point in the summer. And now we've kind of segued into the fall we're getting into respiratory virus season, flu season, and hospitals are worried. They're already seeing a lot of pressure from, you know, two and a half years of pandemic plus staffing critical kind of shortages there. And, you know, babies are being born and surgeries are still happening. So there's always the day to day that the hospitals have to deal with too. So um, everyone feels kind of like they're on eggshells locally and even provincially looking ahead to the fall. Mm. Um, so this is the second warning, but when did the when did the when did the warning start? We know we've had two this month, but really this has been an ongoing issue for years, right? Yeah, hospital and emergency room wait times are nothing brand new. Uh, it's just we're feeling it really acutely now because a lot of people are needing care. Um, they may have delayed some care through the pandemic, and you know people just get sick and injured sometimes. So they just need care. Uh, the hospital HSC here earlier this month said an eighteen-hour wait time, and they had just sort of tried to get it out there so that people know so that they can bring their phone charger and a snack and some and a bottle of water uh, just to know that if if they are in the ER it's not an, a pressing urgent thing they can expect to wait um, yesterday's was 20 hours and it, you know these things kind of fluctuate hour to hour but certainly you know for people here expect a little bit of a longer wait right and is is it helping I, I don't know if you know this is it helping at all with because people go and if they have to wait a long time, they get angry, right? But if they know ahead of time and they're prepared and they can bring a snack and a charger, is that lessening that a little bit? Is it a little bit less stressful for everybody? You know, I spoke with the hospital last week and they said, yes, they just want to be really transparent with their with the public about what they can expect. Um, you know, because there's nothing worse than getting there and kind of expecting, you know, maybe six hours and it being way longer. So they want to really just kind of get the word out that this is what we're experiencing. Um, and, you know, also... If you don't have an emergency, trying to kind of steer people to different avenues of care. So they're primary care providers. A lot of them have after hours type situations or same day appointments, urgent care, um, you know, even walk-in clinics. I know that primary care physicians don't always love those, but they really want people to kind of explore other options than just ending up in the emergency room. Sure. Can you tell us what is an emergency? What constitutes an emergency? When should we be going to the emergency room? And when should we be exploring these other options? Well, I'm not a doctor, but you know, anything that that is is kind of serious and pressing and emergent. Um, the hospital is very clear. They, you know, LHSU said over and over, if you're really having shortness of breath, any of these kinds of things, these really pressing, urgent, serious 
um, you know, symptoms definitely, definitely show up at the emergency room, call an ambulance, like make, make that a priority, but you know, things that, things that can wait, like maybe an earache or something, or, or just, you know, the kind of things that you're just not generally well, but could maybe wait till a Monday morning appointment with your family doctor. Um, those are the kinds of things that I think they don't necessarily love seeing. And, and the good news is, is that's not the only driver of the wait time. So it's not just silly people that are showing up for, you know, bruised fingers or something. It's, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots of other inputs here that are kind of contributing to this, this wait time issue. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, what are the root causes of this? I mean, this is, it's always, our wait times have always been generally pretty long, but not 20 hours long. So how did this all start? What's the root cause? Do we even know? There's so many. Uh, So we have, you know, kind of patient flow into the emergency room is higher. Their volumes are higher. They're getting more people coming in, um, you know, sometimes with serious conditions that they they need to be there. Um, You know, we've had kind of care interruptions in the pandemics people might have put off little things way back then but now they're a bit of a bigger issue and they end up in you know needing hospital care mm-hmm. there's also kind of patient flow issues so they can't put you in an emergency room little room unless they can move that patient in there either out or up into the hospital into another bed so um those kind of issues are also a thing and then you know there's also staffing uh, staffing's been a, a tremendous issue uh, people are leaving the industry they're just trying to hire like crazy the hospital is still doing many, many other services for its patients. So there's all kinds of things here that are really contributing to it. There's no like single silver bullet here to really fix this. Sure. And I have some friends, of course, I'm sure we all do, who work in the hospital and they say it's stressful. So many, so many staff, um, frontline staff especially, have been burning out over the pandemic. And now, you know, wait times are so long. So how are the staff holding up? I mean, we don't have enough of them, but the ones that are there are working overtime to care for all of us. Right. And I was speaking to the the head of the emergency room at Children's Hospital, and he's like, listen, like we're working flat out and, you know, thank any healthcare providers, you know, because, you know, they show some gratitude. Um, it, it's tough, right? Like they, they've had to deal with quite a bit and just the kind of the ground under their feet shifting as well with every pandemic wave, with every new round of restrictions. Um, like, you know, the rest of us have kind of lived with the ups and downs of, of COVID. They have as well in their day-to-day work. So, you know, it, it's a challenge, certainly. But, you know, they, they show up, they do they do great work. And, and hospitals are very serious with hiring and bringing more people in and retaining ones they've got. But, you know, it, it's, it just comes down to there's not enough of them sometimes. And, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. How is the hospital mitigating all of this? You know, we, we've had these warnings to urge us to go elsewhere if, if we are able to. Um, but what what are some of the long term plans? Do we even know yet? Well, this has been a chronic issue in politics, in provincial politics, particularly the healthcare file. It's a massive part of the budget. And there's just it's it's a ballot box issue every time. Uh, the provincial government recently has made it so that hospitals can kind of just move people out of the hospital that don't need hospital care anymore, they're just waiting for a long-term care bed, to a home not of their choosing temporarily. So just trying to increase flow of patients out of hospital walls. Mm-hmm. That got a lot of criticism. Um, in the north, it's it's more than 100 kilometers away is, is kind of the benchmark. Uh, in kind of this region, it's about 70 kilometers. So you could be theoretically put in a, a home outside of your home community. Uh, you know, I, I don't know the extent to which hospitals will, will do that. Um, I think they would ideally like to work with their, their patients to kind of meet, a, you know, kind of a thing that works for both sides. Sure. Um, but it's certainly one tool at their disposal to kind of increase those flows. Yeah. 
Um, let's talk a little bit about Children's Hospital because they've also said they're they're anticipating a very uh, busy f- late fall and winter for because of cold and flu season, right? Yes, yes, and they're already seeing a lot of a lot of kids right now. Uh, even before kind of we get into this like really you know full on flu season, um, they're not alone actually. Like a lot of other uh, children's hospitals in Ontario and in Eastern Ontario and sick kids in Toronto have warned people, hey long waits, a lot of volume. Uh, there was a bit of an ICU bed crunch at sick kids. So this is province-wide, this pressure. Uh, they're worried about flu season. Um, there's lots of viruses that circulate in flu season, not just flu. And they can make kids pretty sick and they can scare parents and they can be you know, something that does require medical attention. So um, they, they're, they're worried that this could be one of the worst seasons, if not the worst seasons ever, worst winters ever. And why is that? Why are they worried about this season in particular? Mm, Same things we kind of mentioned, just, you know, a lot of volume, a lot of illness, uh, and just sort of the the staffing pressure too. So, you know, we're kind of keeping on top of illness, also staffing crunch, and also burnout, and also all these other things too. So that's kind of the fear. And, you know, after two years too, um, we haven't really had super duper flu seasons in the last two years, because we've all been kind of you know, COVID conscious and pandemic thing, you know, this year, Australia has seen pretty bad flu season. So a lot of people are kind of worried about that. We're mingling a lot more. We're going out. We've kind of forgotten some of the old timey, you know, 2020 way of life, you know, where we are very much at home and stay home when you're sick. People are, are kind of mingling more. And that's kind of the worry. Sure. So how, how can parents, how can just adults generally and protect themselves and their kids? What should we be doing this, this um, influenza season? Well, there's really a push for the flu shot uh, that can be, you know, 70 to 90 percent effective against you know, flu if, you know, if it's a good match. Um, the flu season in Australia is a good indicator. They kind of that's how in North America, you know, experts kind of track how the flu is going to go. They've seen a lot of flu, so they're really encouraging people to get out there and get the shot. It's available to the general public on November 1st. There's some high risk groups now that are already getting vaccinated. So that's good. Um, it's just a way to mitigate um, a potential viral situation i mean i got the flu in 2019 and it was it was bad it was not a good flu like that was not it knocked me on my butt and i'm you know a healthy kind of young enough person and it caught me thinking you know like if i were just a little less healthy that's the kind of thing that can land you needing medical care um and you know needing that so i think that's kind of the message out there you know even from pharmacists and from the province like really just think about getting it this year sure the flu shot yeah, it, um, if parents are looking for for alternatives, I know the Children's Hospital had the virtual clinic. Is that still available as well? It is, and it's been a really big success. Uh, I spoke to them last week, and they're really planning on using that this year as a tool. Um, it, it's been very positive, they've said, and you know, it's good for parents and things to not have to make that trip. So um, that's been helpful, and they're going to continue using that through the winter. So that's certainly something that could kind of help parents a bit. How does that work? Like, is that are the wait times just as long? Do you book an appointment? How does that how does the virtual clinic work? It used to be that you'd kind of, you know, kind of book an appointment early and you'd get a call back. I'm not so sure anymore with that exactly. But certainly it's an option for people. Absolutely. Um, What about regional hospitals? We know that especially over COVID, like some were closing their emergency rooms or closing them at night or just, you know, partially staffing issues are uh, an issue there. Now that we have such an onslaught of people at the London area emergency rooms, are are smaller areas an option for some maybe rural people that live just around London or what's happening there? 
I mean, sometimes they are, but there's also, they're also facing their own crunch in St. Thomas. They were warning through the summer and are, you know, even into September, we're seeing a lot of volumes, um, you know, potentially seek care elsewhere if it's not, you know, an emergency room type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, all, all our hospitals are kind of dealing with this and we've got farther afield in Chesley, they've closed their emergency room until December just because they don't have the staff for it. Uh, closer mm-hmm. to home in, in St. Mary's and Seaforth, we've had weekend closures kind of early of emergency rooms. So, you know, it, it, for some people, maybe they can try to seek care at one of these smaller sort of regional hospitals. But again, it's, it's the same kind of situation. They're just a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Has there been any predictions made at all for maybe beyond this winter or what what we might be able to expect as potential patients for some of these hospitals? We know we're expecting a busy winter, but are there plans that we know of yet to mitigate mitigate this a little more? Well, governments are really, you know, focused on this. It's obviously a very big part of what they do. It's it's a challenge, right? We've got a bit of an aging population. We've got the the strain of the pandemic on the population as well. So people that maybe in March 2020 needed a colonoscopy, maybe they put it off, maybe they're just sort of returning to it now. Um, so there's all kinds of things like that. And, you know, it, it's it's really going to take a lot of forward thinking, a lot of planning, a lot of longer term decisions and, and planning and recruitment to get sort of the resources we need in, in this field. But it's it's a challenge, right? Anybody that'll, that'll that's, that follows this knows that it's not just a single thing that we can snap our fingers and fix. Like there's a lot that needs to go into making this work. It's a very complex issue. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Um, I'm sure we're going to be talking to you over the winter again um, as we deal through deal with some of some more of this and, and emergency wait times. And we'll be following all of your stories on LFPress.com. Thank you so much. Thank you.